You're listening to Stories Behind the Songs with Chris Blair. For more information, check out chrisblair.com. Hey, everybody, this is Stories Behind the Songs. I'm your host, Chris Blair, and this is a special 4th of July episode. So happy 4th. I am so excited about today's episode. I'm sitting down with my buddy, Brian Davis. Um, Brian is from North Carolina, and he has been into music inspired by his grandfather and father since he was a young boy. He would go around honky-tonks with them, tuning their guitars, whatever he could to just be around the music. Um, And also was inspired by acts like Gene Autry to Hank Williams Jr. to Guns N' Roses and Bob Marley and Matchbox 20, just a a wide array of music that fed his soul uh, as he grew. Um, He is an incredible songwriter, incredible guy. He's written songs for Brantley Gilbert, Lee Bryce, Jason Aldean, and many more. One of my favorite songs, Memory I Don't Mess With, that he wrote with Lee Bryce. Um, We're going to talk about the story behind that song and some other great things in this episode. He's also a huge supporter of the military, which is a reason why I thought today was a great day to have his episode on. Um, We're going to talk about uh, what he has done with them. And uh, we have both been working with a group, a nonprofit called Creative Vets for many, many years. Um, And we're also going to talk about that and what Brian has done with Creative Vets. Um, Just an awesome episode. Can't wait. This is Brian Davis. Let's get to it. Hey, everybody. This is another episode of Stories Behind the Songs. And before we get into it, I just want to say happy 4th of July. It was 147 years ago today in 1776 that the U.S. became uh, independent. And uh, we're just so glad to be here with Brian Davis on today. I thought this was the perfect guest to bring in today. Brian, how you doing? Doing well, man. Thanks for having me, bro. Absolutely, man. You've been uh, you've been busy. Busy, yes. Um, business has been great. Running the road a ton. Um, writing's been amazing. Uh, and But at this point, excited to take this day off to not do anything but enjoy freedom. Absolutely. Well, let's dive in for all the listeners yeah. and start from the very beginning. So, I always tell everybody, we've known each other for a long time, yep. um, mm-hmm. so I know a lot of your story. Yeah. Pretend I don't know anything. <laughs> I got um, you. So, um, yeah. grew up in North Carolina, mm-hmm. yep. and uh, you got into music early, um, watching your dad and your grandpa and playing yep. honky-tonks and I all did, that. Man. So I did. Walk, walk I mean, me I had, through this. <laughs> so I, had my, I just thought about when you said that, man. My first band that we ever put together was my brother, myself, and two neighbors in the neighborhood, and we were... We, it was I was Brian, Ron, Andrew, and Tony. So we started this band called Brat. It's ridiculous. It's so bad. But we played like sixth uh, graduations and like school dances and stuff like that. He was just kids, man. We were playing like all the old school stuff. But I just wanted to be my grandpa and my dad growing up, man. I mean, they had, they did. A, I mean, I grew up watching that go down. And so for me, it was just a, it was a natural progression to want to be like those two men. So, um, but then fast forward, uh, I don't know. So probably. My second band was a band called Slick Saddle, which is another funny story. But like, so I was 14 playing these honky tonks, and they they wouldn't let me in the place. I just have to come in the green room on stage and then back off because I wasn't allowed to be in these places. But so that was just a good place to cut my teeth and figure out, you know, how to how to be more entertaining than than the bull riding in the back or the you know or the guy trying to get a beer or drive, or the guy trying to get a girl or whatever. You know what I mean? So it was just it was a great education for me as far as that was concerned. It was also a great time to figure out why songs work and why they don't mm, it was yeah. big for me that was always that was always like a study that i was that was always about but uh so then ultimately fast forward a few years later i uh i drug a, a travel trailer out here <laughs> like <laughs> set it up set it up north of town in goodlettsville and started i set up shop and started working started writing songs and and i got in the, i got in the room with some some guys way before i needed I, I really was good enough to be in the room with some of these guys like bobby wood and dan roberts and brian kennedy and these guys who were like tight with garth and so uh but that was again one of those moments for me uh, just always is learning opportunities for me always and so it was one of those deals where i'd go in the rooms and those guys didn't need me to write a song they just needed ideas and I, I learned that really early and so yeah. i made sure i always came in with great ideas or at least i thought were great ideas and so then also in the process of writing those songs with those guys, I would kind of hit record in my mind and, and run this process and, and kind of, you know, if the idea was about drinking a beer, I'd be, I'd be thinking about drinking a beer. And those guys would be like, how do I get the girl in the song first? 
And I'm like, oh, great. So, but anyway, so long story short, we'd write these songs and then the next, then I'd go home, I would reverse engineer them back to the idea that I had and learn why where I was mining for stuff mm. wasn't where those guys were going. And it, it taught me a ton about the business in that regard too. So, um, so it was just a lot of that, but, you know, I'm always about a learning curve. I'm always about learning it, figuring out how to do it better and faster and all that stuff. So, but yeah, my, my childhood to now, you would have, if you'd have told the kid from Bilbo, North Carolina, that he'd be where he is now, that that's, a, that would, that was crazy for me. You know, I still look at it and I pinch myself that I have the privilege to write songs for a living. And then on top of that, just be able to influence people and have, have the ability to, to change people's you know, lives in certain ways with melodies and music, you know, so. Yeah. But. I mean, I think uh, like we grew up uh, in a very similar way with just all kinds of music around us. Mm -hmm. um, you know, you, you like were a fan of Gene Autry to Hank Jr. Mm -hmm. to Guns N' Roses to Bob Marley. <laughs> to, I mean, you just had a yeah. huge spectrum of, mm -hmm. of music yeah. just being thrown at you so mm -hmm. i think like how did that play a part of just what you've grown into musically today so i think that's one of the best things that i, I would advise me brand new artists and, and brand new writers to to don't just don't just live inside of one genre because there's a lot of times man when i have, have an idea hit me i just go what would it sound like if like patsy klein and metallica did this you know what yeah, I mean? That's yeah. two crazy polar opposite scenarios, right? But sometimes that musical magic happens by getting outside of the box. You know yeah. what I mean? And so to me, to have had all of those different influences. And then, you know, I hung out with dudes way older than I was growing up, but I also like had had found a you know foundation of my parents and all the stuff they listened to too. So it was like this really interesting, like very wide range of, of influences. So for me, I think that definitely contributes to how I approach melodies and how, how, I, how I think about, you know, maybe it doesn't need to be quite so structured in certain ways, you know what I mean? Just when it comes to writing those songs. But, but for me, I, I have to attribute a ton of my success to the fact that I had such a versatile pla you know, palette growing up. So. Yeah. I mean, you, you literally grew up in honky-tonks. Mm -hmm. Honky-tonks were my thing. Yeah. But it's so crazy because, like I said, in my, I'd be in my truck sometimes listening to Three Doors Down. Right. Or listening to, like, Peter Tosh, who was even more obscure, yeah. you know, uh, reggae artist. You know what I mean? But So I'm jamming that stuff in my truck. But then I get on stage and then we play all, you know, we play Brooks and Dunn and we play Clint Black and we play, you know, Tracy Lawrence. And we play sometimes some Brian Davis songs that were terrible and shouldn't even been in the set. <laughs> but, you know what I mean, that's just kind of, for me, that was what it was about, you know. And I had that testing ground. That's one of the things I like to talk about a minute ago. It's like that testing ground to be able to walk on these stages and go, hey, I had this, I just wrote this thing. And, yeah. some, and, and most of the time, people would be like, what is that? What do you? Why can't you play like Clint Black? You know what I mean, or like Garth Brooks. You know what I mean. Yeah. But I was learning. I was figuring it out as I went. You know what I mean. And sometimes you have to have that thick skin and you have to have that that risk about you to go. I'm gonna throw it out there and see what happens. You know, maybe maybe it flies, maybe it doesn't. But and that's this town too, man. This town, yeah. in my opinion, uh, I, I was told this a long time ago, man, and it stuck with me. But this town is a is a people people say no just means not yes yet. And that's a big piece of this town, man, because this town will beat you up on purpose and in a way that will make you better if you let it. Yeah. You know what I mean? And so the same thing on stages and honky tonks. You know what I mean? We take a chance on a song and sometimes it would be like flop and people would be like, you got to stop it. You know, but but then eventually we got better at it. We figured it out, got to the point where our songs existed in the set and it because they were good enough to be in the set. You know what I mean? And then fast forward to being in arenas with Brantley doing the same thing after playing these tiny honky tonks for so long and then seeing the music working on in arena levels, you know, and 10,000 people a night, you know, so it was just a, but all that's a giant dream that, that takes a ton of work and grind, as you know, and, and to, yeah. to make that happen is a, it, it, you can't, you can't, it's not for the faint of heart. It's not for the guy who's, who's not willing to hear no a hundred thousand times to right. get that one. Yes. Kind yep. of thing, you know, so. Yeah. It's uh it's, it's definitely a, a town that, that grows you thick skin. <laughs> yes. Or you go home. Oh yeah, exactly. Yeah. Yeah. It, there's, so. It's a maze out here, man. I always think about it. It's like this maze out here is kind of designed to weed out folks who, who aren't willing to grind and do the, do the, the work. You know what I mean? And yeah. be humble about it too. That's another, this town will humble you if you let it. And that will be one of your best assets. Anytime you walk into a room, you walk into a room to serve, you know, like I'm writing with artists and I'm like, I walk in the room. I don't think about what I've accomplished. I walk in the room and say, how can I serve? Yeah. How can I serve you in this moment? How can I get you the best thing that we can create together in this moment? And that to me, this town, did, by, by, humil you know, by humbling you down, man, that's a big piece of that toolbox, man. You walk in there with that, you'll be invited back every time. Man, I freaking love you. 
<laughs> Every time we get to hang, man, it's just like you're you're just you're you've accomplished so much, and you're just still so humble, and you're just Brian Davis. You're just you, and I and I love that about you, man. Fingers crossed, we can just keep doing that some more. Yeah. Um, I mean, there was some other uh, pretty pretty huge names that saw that early on. Um, I want to talk about uh, how you walked into a room, and then uh, Harlan Howard joined you. Man, that was a scary day. <laughs> I was cleaning. Scary because you were full of horse manure. Or like, well, all that. Yeah, it was so many reasons. That was just one of those days that I don't think. That's what I talk about all the time, man. And I just finished a song. That's just that, this whole idea. But I was like, if God would have given me the pen, man, so I could write it however I wanted to, I would have missed out on everything cool. I just would have. And that's mm. all right. that's a that's a part of the course of the song I just finished. But but um, but I say that to say like I was cleaning horse stalls down in in uh, in Franklin, and I mean I grew up like around quarter horses and all that stuff as yeah. a kid growing up and all that stuff. But like, but I was talking with Ralph Murphy one day and he was like, he said, what are you doing right now? I'm saying, well, I'm out on the road, like Wednesday through Sunday playing shows. I'm in town Sunday, you know, Monday, Tuesday and Wednesday cleaning horse stalls down in Franklin. And he was like, Oh, you love horses. I'm like, yeah. And he was like, but I was, but I'm like, I'm not riding the horses, bro. I'm, I'm literally in the stall. Like that's what I'm doing right now. Just so you know, and he was like, Oh, well, Melanie Howard loves horses, man. I'll tell her about you and, you know, and she's married to Harlan, obviously. And so we'll set up a meeting. And so he did. And I got, you know, and so I had this meeting and, but the day that I had this meeting was just supposed to be with Melanie Howard. And, and, uh, we had one of the, a, a, a horse named touch of class who was like a $1.2 million, like hunter jumper. Like she's just crazy, stupid money. But so she got out and, busted her head it was like this whole crazy thing so i didn't have a chance to shower but i had to get to this meeting and so i go i, I literally I I, I I honestly smell like horse manure and this is a really nice harlan's office is not shabby right i mean it's a really yeah. really nice place and so i'm sitting in there and it's just me and the receptionist they they, they want to put me in melanie's office so i'm just sitting there and they're all by myself for 45 minutes and i'm thinking you know all the things go through your mind like man maybe this is a sign that i should get up and leave like this fact that they're not here yet, maybe I should just get up and leave. Now, I mean, I went over and over my mind with that. And then I was like, you know what? I don't know. I'm just, so I just stayed. And then the door opened up behind me and I, I looked back and I saw Melanie and I was like, oh, okay, maybe, okay, we'll do this, whatever. And then right behind her came Harlan. And then she said, hey, Harlan's going to join our meeting today. So let's just go into his office. And then uh, at that point, I mean, it was like, I don't know what you, I don't, I had my one song, right? We always have like, yeah. when you're freaking, you're a baby figuring this out, you have that one song, right? And then it's like, so I go sit down in there and he leans up and he goes, what you got, son? And I, so I played the song, played what I thought was the song. Finished it, had my eyes closed the whole time. I just didn't want to see. I just was praying that I got <laughs> through it and I messed it up. And then he leaned up and he said, what else you got, son? And I was like, oh, that's not good. So then I played a second song and the same thing, played a third song, same thing, played a fourth song. And he said, do you want a deal here, son? And I said, yes, sir, I do. And then uh, he said, uh, how much money do you need? And I was like, all, all I knew about that was is that I had to pay it back, right? I knew it was a draw, right? Yeah. So I was like, sir, I haven't even thought about that. Like, I don't, I don't know um, what I could even, you know, I'm not, I don't even know. And he just started laughing. He said, I'm gonna give you 350 a week. I think you're gonna be fine. And so they leaned over to Melanie and said, get the contracts together. And I was like, I can't believe, I, I couldn't gather fast enough. I was just like, I don't wanna mess this up at this point. I just wanna shake your hand, sir. Th thank you so much and bell and run. Cause at that time, me and Dirks Bentley and Arliss Albritton, we were all like really tight. We played yeah. Bluebird together and some other stuff, but, but we were all, all trying to get deals at that time. And so when I told the boys, I was like, hey man, you're never gonna believe this, but I got a meeting with Melanie Howard. And, and so they're like, oh, dude, you got to tell us. So I went, so I left his, I left Harlan's spot straight back over to Fame Publishing where Dirks and Arliss were riding at the time. And I go in and I'm like, boys, they offered me a deal. And then we went and drank a bunch of beer like we, like we <laughs> had number ones. It was ridiculous. Yeah. And so anyway, that was that, man. But it was, uh, that, was a, that was a stressful day that I thought was going to go drastically different when I when he walked in the room, because I'm thinking this guy is a legend. He, what, I don't have anything in my brain that he hadn't already thought of. And I'm going to sit here and I'm going to regurgitate something that he's just like, great, more of the same, you know, whatever. You know, but for some reason, maybe he just, maybe it's because I smelled the way I smelled and I was just like, <laughs> I was barely hanging on. 
And maybe he just felt pity. Maybe it's pity for me. I don't know, man. But then that worked out to be a pretty sweet deal. So. It wasn't pity. It wasn't pity. <laughs> so, but yeah, that's that crazy story. Yeah. But. So then, what what happened after that? What was the what was the snowball effect of? Well, just having a deal in town, being yeah. validated, right? You know, there's something about you don't know. You hope you're good enough. You want to be good enough. You know what I mean? To to be able to to write in this town, and be and be taken seriously in this town. But at the same time, it's like once you have a deal it changes the game it changes how confident you are in what you do you know what mm-hmm. i mean because now you're like somebody sees something in me that i knew was there but i wasn't sure where it, you know how how together it was yet but so that changed the game there and then getting in the room with other writers that were signed changed the game too because now we're all like we know what we're doing to the point where it's like, now let's figure out how to make money with this. Before it was, and I, I tell people all the time too, when I have, I kind of mentor, you know, young guys or whatever, and I go, hey man, here's how it works. First thing you do is you get to town and you just want to write songs that are good enough just to, you know, and then you go, okay, I'm not making any money doing that yet, so I got to figure out how to write songs good enough to get a publishing deal. And so you do. But then it's like, okay, now you realize that get, just getting a publishing deal doesn't, that, that that doesn't do it yet, right? So then it's like, okay, now I just got to write songs going to be on records. And then from there, you realize that cuts, it's not the 90s anymore, so cuts are just cuts, right? And you know yeah. what I mean? It, it'll keep your deal, but it's not really anything, it's not crazy money. Then you're like, okay, so now I got to figure out how to write songs good enough to be on records and on the radio. And when that happens, you start to really start putting some rubber to the road. And Vicki McGee has been like a mentor for me forever, man. I mean, I go to her with any, she's a beast, obviously, you know yeah. who she is, but... Um, but she is one of those girls, man, that understands this business on a level that I can go and I can, hey, this is where I am right now. And she goes, this is exactly what you need to do. I mean, she's just one of the, she's awesome. But having that said, it's like, once you get, once you get to radio, then you're like, okay, now I got to make sure that it's good enough to be at the top spot, climb the mountain. I don't want it to stop in the 20s or the 30s or the 40s. I want it to go up to, I want it, I want to ring the bell. And then that wealth, we can take that wealth and we can reinvest in other writers and you know other things and, and continue our craft and make sure that it stays around but but that's where all that goes so that that progression is important so but each time the difference is you change your target like first your mm-hmm. target was just to get in town and write songs yeah then it's like in town writing songs or in a publishing deal and then you know then it's like cuts and then it's singles and then it's number ones and that process is the difference every time was this confidence level every time too because it was like now i've got i've got other hit writers that, that want to write with me so it's like, okay, that's, that, that tells me that I'm, I'm on the right path. I'm doing the right things. You know, I'm, I've learned, I've, I've put the work in and I've understood the process now to this level and now to this level and now to this level. You know what I mean? And so there's just so many of those pieces of the puzzle, but really that started with one guy going, I'll give you a chance. Yeah. Just like all of us have had, you know what I mean? Yeah. And that, that, that was the, that changed my trajectory drastically, mm-hmm. you know, because before that, I was like, I'm just a kid from Carolina who goes back and plays honky tonks and comes out here and bangs on my guitar and tries to, you know, to write songs that, that would matter kind of thing. But then it's like that guy's stamp of approval, game changer. I know everybody's got a different path and, um, and all that, but for you, uh, how many songs would you say that you wrote before, you know, uh, like let's say before uh, a single? Before, before a single. Before you have a cut. I would say... 1500 yeah. or more maybe maybe 2000 i mean yeah. like it, it's a it's, i believe in in work man i mean i, I don't I, I wake up every morning and i have a, a regiment we can talk about that in a moment but but the thing is you have to do this to do this you know what i mean yep and so if you're if you're not cranking out output but you also have to have input coming in to be able to have output go out right i mean that's just how that's how that process works but but all of those songs got me a little better every time but and honestly, if we're being real, like I figured out, I kind of figured out the writing side of it before I figured out the business side of it. So that was, that's one of the things that was lagging for me that I didn't understand yet. And that's kind of where that progression I discussed a moment ago is like how, what you need to target in order to make sure you have a business out here. Yeah. So, but every one of those songs got me closer and closer to the business intersecting with the creative side and then turning it into an actual revenue streams. And now, now I don't, I don't talk in terms of songs anymore it's like I, I go out on the road with lee bryce or whoever and i'm bringing home six revenue streams yeah that's my mind my mind thinks like that now you yeah. know what i mean where before it was like i got these six songs it's like that's good we have the songs are, are perfect but that song 
and you know the story here, like once it's a number one, it generates an, an amount of wealth and it, but it also starts building this catalog that is a business. Yep. And that catalog sale is where you're really going to benefit tremendously from yep. that environment. Right. I mean, that's, that's the thing that's real after is starting this business and like every song is like a small business, but then the catalog is a, is a, a bigger business that houses all the smaller businesses. And then you take that and put it on the market. And now you're talking about like changing your life. Yeah. You know? So yeah. let's talk about that catalog. Let's move into that. Mm -hmm. You mentioned a while ago, um, you know, being on the road with Brantley Gilbert, mm -hmm. um, Lee Bryce, yep. um, you've been friends with those guys for years and years. Yeah. Um, so uh, let's either one of them, we talked about yeah. both of them, mm -hmm. but yeah. you, you picked to start with and let's, let's talk about, um, that friendship and kind of, you know, riding with mm -hmm. them and, and how you ended up out on the road with them and, and yeah. go into the cuts. Mm -hmm. Well, so for me, uh, we'll start with Lee. Um, Lee and I met at Curb Publishing uh, back in like, oh, five maybe or something like that. And, uh, and at that time, I still had a lot of artist things going on. And so there was just this peer to peer scenario. You know what I mean? Like, cause he's an artist. I was an artist. And that was, I think that unlocked a lot of opportunities for me personally, because it's like, it's one thing to, to have like a writer be in the room with an artist, but if it's, if both of them are writer artists, then they communicate on a different level. Their mindset is like, we talked about, I mean, like I walk on stage in front of 10,000 people. I did that for years and years out with Brantley. He won me on every show. And I was like, I was like, bro. So I did it. But we also, we had this, this peer-to-peer -peer thing you know what I mean and so when I got yeah. in the room with him it wasn't like I was like hey you know you're the guy how do we do you know it's like no nah, man we both understand the end game because we both have been on the stages and we understand the process you know what I mean it was like it's not like a writer if I tell a writer in town like hey you got to be on a bus and it's kind of like they don't know what bus etiquette is yet so it's hard for them to go on the bus and be effective in that environment but guys like us who have been on buses for way too long and going on stages every night doing the same thing we understand 360 of it like i always talk about sorry i'll get off for two seconds on this thought it's like to me song i get an idea shows up and then it's like for me it's like first it's got to be applicable on radio because that's our biggest revenue stream yep. is radio right but then it also has to be a song that can put asses in seats it, you know, it has to be like a ticket like you something so so passionate about these songs that the that the because the, like the fans will come for 12 hours I'll drive 12 hours to come to the show kind of thing so there's that as well and then ultimately building that into something that you can be proud of as an artist that's going to want to sing that song mm. for 25 years you know what yeah. I mean so there's that there's three facets to that process for me and so when I get an idea I immediately first thing I go is it a reflection of reality or is it an escape from reality and then once you figure that out which most of the time I'll do an escape from reality more than a reflection because most of the time people have had enough reality. You know what I mean? So yeah. give them something a little different, you know, that's going to take their mind off their life a little bit, you know, so that's where my head goes immediately. And then I try to make it a tempo about a girl every time, but that, that wins on radio. Then everybody in the, everybody in the arena, when you fire it off, the girls are like, Oh, that's about me. And, and the guy's like, that's what I want to say. I, I don't know how to say that to you, but that's what I want to say. You know what I mean? That kind of thing. Mm. And then, the artist on stage goes, man, that's, I mean, this is a win for me. You know what I mean? So it's like everybody wins in that, in that regard. So with like Lee and Brantley both, really, we had that peer-to-peer -peer kind of scenario because we did so much of the same thing that it works out well. And then I will say one more thing is, is that to me, uh, a great song is a byproduct of a great hang. Yeah. You know what I mean? So we never go on the road like we're going to grind. And we do. We don't, we don't know how to not do that, right? But, but I don't, we don't go out there and go, hey, man, let's don't take our nose off the ground. So we go out there and go, hey, man, let's have a good time and see what happens. Yep. And, you know, and the revenue stream or the song show up. You know what I mean? That's just how that works. So with Lee, it was kind of one of those things, man. Um, and we've had, fortunately, for we've had a number one with Lee um, that uh, we've had a bunch of cuts before that. And we've got a pile ready for this record. Man, I can't wait for you to hear this yeah. new record, dude. It's so good. But, um, but we've got a pile, you know, and it was like, and some of those songs that they were, uh, they were, something we purposely agended for Lee. And then some of it was, you know, I always have tons and tons of ideas in my phone and, and it can come around in some of the most interesting ways. Like we were on, we were on the way back from a run and uh, I 
because I'm always I'm always typing new ideas in my phone constantly. I mean, I, I probably I was in Orlando last week, you know, for six days or seven days, and I probably put thirty ideas in my phone just from listening to people's yeah. conversations around me, you know. And so, but so I was digging through, and we'd already written some songs on this one particular run. We were coming back in, and and uh, and I was just digging. I was deep. I was probably two years ago deep, and and like ideas just scrolling scrolling and scrolling and i came across this one and i was like oh man i forgot about this and uh i said uh i said lee that's like what i did i was like i said lee man i forgot about this idea dude and he was like what do you what do you mean i said it's called uh it was kind of i just had like this little piece it was like it was like that's a memory i don't mess with girl i was the best one I was obsessed with da, 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 da. I just like had that little piece and he was like bro really and I'm like I, dude I, I just found it two two years deep in my idea box right and so and so he was like man that's a single on my next record without a doubt and I'm like we didn't even have it written yet and he's he's just he's heard that little piece of it and was like that's happening and so long story short we got off the bus we get back to him we'll get back on it blah 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 and then a year later we're down in Texas me and me and Lee and Billy Montana, and I hadn't thought about it, man. That's why I talk about God does God better than we do God every time. But it's like, so literally, Lee comes off. He, he, we'd have been out for I guess four days at this point. It was the last show. He just blew. He just blew it out the last show. And then so he comes on the bus, and he's like, "BD, you know what we need to do tonight, man? Because Billy's here." And I was like, "Finish memory," and he was like, "Yeah." And but I, I don't honestly, I hadn't thought about it. Just, I mean, we we did that. Memory, yeah. I don't you know. And then left it. And then literally, Billy's like, "Boys, I, I'm not, I'm not getting on that, man. That's you already. Oh, I got that, dude." And we're like, "Nah, man." So he, so we kind of, Lee and I kind of hashed, just beat the chorus out right there in front of Billy, and he's just like, "God." And he, Billy's side of the story is amazing too, because he was like, "How am I gonna? What am I? What am I gonna do right now?" Because like that's amazing and blah blah blah. So he sat down and then he was like, "Well," he just started just. He's a Bob Dylan fan. Big yeah. Time. So he was just like type, 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 type. And he's like, hey, man, this maybe this is like verse one. And I love Lee. <laughs> Lee was like, oh, really? Like that? You, that's your verse, right? Yeah. That, and he's like, give me your computer. And Lee literally just went, red leaves on the river, footprints in the sand. Like sang the whole entire verse seamlessly perfect. We have it recorded. And it was like, that's it. And then, so then we wrote the second verse. And then the little bridge, and then we spent, then I, I could show you some of these videos sometime, man, but we spent the next, we were riding home, and we spent the next three hours, I wanna say it was right at three hours, Lee just trying to get this one little part, man. I mean, I'm talking about, this went on and on and on, and I, I don't play it as well as he does, but it's like, he was going. You know what I mean? He was doing this thing. But every time he got to the end, he was trying to write the whole thing. Time he got to the end of it, he was like almost would get it, and then he would he'd be like, ah, film me again. And so me and Billy Montana are on the front, we're in the front lounge of the bus, going to yeah. out around the highway. And and I'm like, hey Billy, man, what take are we on? And Billy would be like, take 62. <laughs> and I would, <laughs> and I would shut yeah. the camera over to Lee. It was amazing, man. But that was like one of those moments where where uh when we let when we finished that song and Lee at the end, he was like, I told you that's a single on my record, bro. That's a single on my record. And, I, and again, he heard three lines of it. Yeah. And he was just like, that's it. So those are, those are interesting moments that, that, uh, and you have, and when you have that kind of confidence in an artist like Lee, it makes it easy to go, all right, bro, if you believe that, I believe that. Yeah. Let's go. You know what I mean? Kind of thing. And so to me, that's a, that's classic Lee too. But, um, but, in, but again, you never know where the song is going to come from or if we would have messed it up, if we would have, just beat it down that day that we just started that course. You know what I mean? Then then Billy would have been out and then we would have missed out on on yeah. some of the coolest Bob Dylan, Billy Montana on the planet. You know what I mean? Yeah. So but Yeah, so then what was the uh like what were the steps after that? Did he get home and pretty much record it right then? He got home, uh he was going in the studio not long after that, yeah. And so that was one of the very beginning ones. And then he told me, uh so then you, of course, like the way that it works when you're the label, you basically record the record and you send the songs in. And then at this, at this case, Mike Curb is the guy. And so it's interesting how Mike Curb works though. I just found, I learned this uh, with Lee, but he, uh, he said, man, he said, Mike will get some, he and his wife will get some wine and they'll just play the record down. 
Mm. And he said they kept going back to uh, to memory I don't mess with. And said that's that's the scene that that is the scene. That's the second single on this record. That's that's how it went down. So it was like one of those moments where you're like, okay, that's cool, but that's the second single, man. And so when one of them girls came out, we were like, that's a smash. That's a smash song. And so much a smash that memory started out a little slow on radio because they didn't want to get off of uh, one of them girls yet. And so, yeah. But it worked out great because then there was just this whole, we were on the radio with memory for, um, it was like a little over a year and now it's still in recurrent, like yeah. crazy spinning. So it's just one of those like good job God moments. You know what I yep. mean? Like we're just grateful we had a chance to be a part of it, you know, but yeah. So. Yeah, that's that's the story of that's that. the song uh, when we hang out for uh, tailgates for uh, the Titans games. That's the, yeah. that's the ga- that's the song I always like. Come on, BD, you got to play this one. So, yes, yeah, absolutely. I love it. Absolutely. Um, what about Brantley? So Brantley, uh, similar thing. I was I was having lunch one day with Michael Knox, who is Aldine's producer, as you know, and uh, and so he was like, "Hey man, there's this kid in Georgia named Brantley Gilbert." That I think if y'all got together, man, it would be crazy. And, uh, and I was like, well, what's his story, man? Is he, you know, is he coming up or what's up? And he was like, man, no, he doesn't want anything to do with Nashville. He just wants to be famous in Georgia. And, <laughs> and I'm like, well, you know what, bro? I'll just put it out in the world. And if, if it's supposed to happen, then God will make it happen. And I ain't got to worry about nothing. And so literally like two weeks later, I get a call from a buddy of mine who, who owns my favorite venue back home in Carolina. He's like, hey, man. And this is so funny too when you when you think about like where where we are now. You fast forward you know ten fifteen years and you go oh yeah. But he said man I got this kid coming up named Brantley Gilbert from Georgia and I don't know if we're gonna sell any tickets man. But you sell this place out would you just come back and y'all can just co-headline or whatever. And I'm like I don't yeah I'll be I'll be do that. So so we go back and we do the show and but I'm on stage just finishing my sound check and Brantley is standing side stage and I was just playing this thing I just finished this brand new song. And he was like, hey, man, who uh, who wrote that? I was like, I wrote it. And he's like, cool. <laughs> <So> <laughs> in, Brantley fa- in Brantley fashion. Yeah. And so then I'm like, and then he said, hey, man, uh, we, we talked for just about uh, maybe less than 30 minutes. And this idea showed up, and we're on the bus riding it 30 minutes later. I mean, it was like one of those deals, and then we just clicked on that level. And, and then we spent years and years and years on the road um sometimes it would just be us in one bus with the band sometimes it was you know as we grew as he grew more than i did at the time two buses three buses six buses you know tractor trailers the whole nine yards eventually followed but but we literally would we kind of had this this regiment he and i did like we would we would go basically wheels up we just lock ourselves in the back lounge of the bus and start riding and it would be five or six or seven in the morning before we crash out and then we'd sleep till you know noon or whatever to two o'clock whatever get up you know have some breakfast you know sound check you know meet and drinks all the things we had going on and then play the shows and then you know all that stuff so but that, that routine stayed in place literally for from like like probably 09 08 09 something like that all the way through to like 2018 where we, I mean, we go on the road, even when it was in arenas, man, we would be, like my bus would follow, I'd be on Brantley's bus and we'd be, we'd front lounge at that point because we was just us on the bus. We'd have a studio up there and we would just go at it, you know, and write yeah. songs and and quite honestly, most all of the the big stuff that we've had was all, ba- all based on the familiarity that he and I have with each other, you know what I mean? And, and, and how, like, how like-minded we were about about the business, about the industry, about what we thought the music should sound like, just all that aggressive. I mean, I'm, I'm just a much more aggressive, he, like he is. I mean, same thing. It's like, I want music to be like, you know? Yeah. And it's ironic that some of my biggest hits are are like, you know, that, not that, but yeah. my, my live shows are always the whole different story, right? So, but, um, and even, you know, like our, our, we had a number one with Brantley called uh, One Hell of an Amen, same kind yeah. of thing. It was the deal where like, I had literally had this idea um, and I wasn't sure which one it was going to be yet. Uh, so I had written it in my phone two different ways. One was one hell of a hallelujah, and the other was one hell of an amen. And I had kind of the same kind of thing. I had already carved out like, you know, preacher said he died too young, over there toting that gun kind of thing. Just had like a, a kind of a, a quick broad stroke of the ver- verse one. And uh, Brantley and I were on the road in Indiana. And uh, and I said, bro, I got this thing, man. And he said, I love that, dude. I was like, but I don't know which one it is yet. 
I told him the two titles, and he was like, oh, it's one hell of an amen, bro, all day long. So I was like, all right. So we, we busted out a verse and chorus on that day, and then we had to roll. We ran out of time, so we jumped on and played, played the shows. And then the next weekend, we were down in Florida, and uh, Uncle Mike Deacle, who was like, what a, what a talent, what a, what a huge mm -hmm. beast of a guy he is. Yeah. But uh, he, was, he was down with us on that next run, and we had finished up one song, and then Brantley was like, you want to you get him in? I was like, absolutely, man. So we were like, Uncle Mike, dude, got this thing. And he was like, boys. And he's just, he's such a good dude. <laughs> so we busted out yeah. the second half of that, you know. And is that because I knew that they both knew uh, the, like, when it came to the cancer side of that song, they both knew the guy, you know, from hometown. And so it was one of those special things for mm -hmm. them to be able to really connect on that, on that deal, you know. And so, but, uh, and that, you know, that was, another one of those life-changing songs because I've, I've had the privilege of staying, you know, or standing in, in arenas all over the country. And I just go to front of house most of the time while my beast playing a show and just, just go watch the crowd, watch things going on. And, and, uh, and but I've seen that song uh, just be a shoulder for so many people, you know what I mean? And it's yeah. just, I don't know, to me, like I say this a lot, but I mean it every time. It's like, when it comes down to, to uh, money's great, but it's just money. It's just a tool. But, and, and the accolades are great. Like the plaques, half of them are on my floor in my studio. They're not even on the wall. There's only two on the wall. But, um, but when you see those, you see it impact people. When you get emails and the, and the you know, DMs and socials and stuff, it's like, hey man, that, that song got me through one of my darkest, darkest times. Mm -hmm. And it's like, when you hear that, it makes it make sense, man. Because ultimately like success is just success. But if it, if it does it like that, if it's if it's success that that comes along with this like this healing of a, of a situation or, or you know having somebody that, that goes hey man that changed me that made the difference in my life and then it's like cool because again money's just money but those types of moments those connections personally like that yeah game changer for it. me yeah, th th yeah those are those will those will outlive any of the plaques I have on my walls yeah the stories I've heard you know what I mean and, and the interactions I've had with people that's yeah. that's the difference for me. This episode is brought to you by Sennheiser Microphones. When we first started this podcast, we were using some older microphones and Sennheiser came in and sponsored us and gave us some MK4s and 914s. And I mean, I'm telling you, it's made all of the difference in the world. We love these microphones. We use them at the listening room as well. And I just can't say enough great things about them. Go check out Sennheiser.com. If you are into music in any way, their microphones are hands down the best on the planet. Go check them out, Sennheiser.com. And thank you, Sennheiser, for the support and the sponsorship. We love y'all. I love it. I mean, that's that's another, uh, just one of the many reasons I love you, dude. Um, you know, your, your heart, uh, you know, and there's a lot of people in this town that are like that, right? But, oh, yeah. Um, you know, just from the moment that we met, um, you know, and all the hangs down in St. Augustine and, you know, everything, <laughs> um, you know, it's, that, it's another reason that, you know, when, when we started talking about doing this together, mm -hmm. you know, I was like, all right, July 4th is a Tuesday. We put episodes out every Tuesday yes. and your love of God and country mm -hmm. is like, you know, just, uh, I was like, okay, BD is the guy for, oh, for the man. 4th of July. So, um, let you know let's kind of shift and talk about that you've done a lot with creative vets mm -hmm. and um yes you know just your your passion for that i don't even have to tee it up i'll just let you oh, go no. <laughs> yeah so for me i mean i grew up in carolina man and so uh and it was uh fort bragg and camp lejeune they call it lejeune which we just rednecks were from country boys we just misspell everything or mispronounce everything so but camp lejeune and and fort bragg and Ch cherry point like those are all like most of the guys from my, from my high school, man, it was you were going to be a mechanic or you were going to be a Marine. That's pretty much how it went down, or an, or an Army, you know. So it's like, so to see that um, and to understand what it really means to have a military like that, that that can keep us free. Because it's like there's so many pieces of that puzzle that we take things for granted on such a level, man. And, and um, But then once you get out and you start seeing it, especially coupled with, like, when hell of an amen, man, when you, you, meet, you meet these operators, these SEALs, these... Um, Rangers, those dudes, man. And when you see a song put their head in their hands and, and they're just, because they're dying, because they're battle buddy, they, they watched one of the worst days of their life go down. And that song 
brings that around for them, but it yeah. also brings around some healing with it too. But so the the fact that that uh, we have what we have in, in this country, and we have people who are absolutely fine with going going down for it. You know what I mean? Is is and to not celebrate them, to not take a moment and go, hey man, how can we help? And that's I, I, I love creative vets because they call, I say yes every time, man. Yeah. Because they I see them changing people's lives on a regular basis and the, and the, one of the worst things that we have going on right now is we teach our guys we tear them down man and we build them up and they're just warriors right but then once their body starts to come apart or whatever you know and then they're like they get shuffled back into society and it's like but they're not they're not that transition isn't happening well and so creative s is an amazing job of identifying like the most at-risk ptsd guys brings them into town and i love this about it man and, and they 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 pay for everything to bring them into town. And then they set up guys like us to go write songs with them. Cause, and, and the whole point in the song is just to get them to start talking. Because yep. if they'll start talking, then they'll drastically drop the chances of becoming one of the 22 in a day. You know yep. what I mean? That, that, that aren't going to make it till tomorrow. So, uh, so that's huge for me in that, in that regard, man. And, but again, you, know, you look at this and you go, how do we not say yes to that? How do we not support that on that level? Because those guys... Everyone I've met, man, and I know a bunch of them, and I've done a lot of work with them, and they all are over there like, I was willing to give my life for this country. And then I get back to this, and it's like, come on, man. So, And not, not, everyone, not every story is, is that, that yeah. far down that road, but, but we, just, we have to be cognizant and mindful of the fact that we have the best country in the world, man. And we have, because of this experiment called democracy and freedom is like, that's huge. And so for us... And I think that is coupled with country music on such a level too, because I love that that our, at least what I try to do in, in this, you know, in, in my part of my career is, is to, hey man, how do we keep morals, ethics, and values and patriotism involved in our music? You know what I mean? And that's kind of a big piece of it for me personally, you know? And so yeah. to have uh, have an outlet like Creative Vets to kind of go in there and, and find a way, because giving back, we all know giving back is the greatest thing to do, man. I yep. mean, taking... Taking sucks. Giving is the best way to go about it, you know. So, but yeah, man, I'm excited about about all that they're doing, and any way we can always help them, we do, you know. Yeah. So, it's a, it's a great organization. Mm -hmm. We've been working with them uh, a, a long time as well, yep. and just mm -hmm. um, you know, I remember uh, when you know those guys came in and they were just starting, and mm -hmm. uh, you know, down on Second Avenue, and yep. they're like, "Hey, we've got this thing. We just started. <laughs> like, this yep. is what we're doing." I was like, "Dude, yeah. this is so amazing," and you mm -hmm. know, and it was so it was so small. Yeah. Right. Yep. And now to see what they've accomplished and um, oh, yeah. uh, great, great guys running it. And um, thank you for uh, you taking your your time to to do stuff like that. It's like I know you don't look at it like that. You know, like you just said, you're giving, yeah. and that that is just your heart. Yeah. But, um, well, you know, a lot of people wouldn't do that. So thanks. Well, it's funny that you think you think you're going in there to, to like bless them, or but it's always the flip. Mm. I always leave going man i think i got more out of that than they did you know what i mean at times and they're they're ecstatic about the song that they have now and a lot of times those songs are content that they don't know how to, to tell their spouse or their kids or you know or like they, they so they they basically take the song when it's all said and done and go here you go i was trying to tell you how i feel or what i'm what i'm fighting through right now but here's a song that does it because i can't get the words out mm, kind of thing so, so it's good. just it's amazing but i'll I, I leave there blessed every time that i go in there to, to be a part of that, you know what I mean, and and I've I'm I do it because I love it, but I also, man, to, to to how God does God so good, man. In those situations, it's like like I was going in to be like, let me give and help, and, and it's like, bro, that's not how this works, man. So I don't know. I, I just feel blessed to go to part of it and and to be able to be involved at whatever level that I need to be involved in there. So yeah, but it's awesome, man. <laughs> uh, a while ago, you talked about your. Um, your morning routine, mm -hmm. your morning regimen. Talk yeah. about talk about that a little bit. Yeah. So, uh, so my wife and I have two daughters, and so I try to get up before anybody else does, so my mind is super clear, and I can go and I can really get what I need to get done first thing in the morning. But but a lot of times, like even to this day, like I go in. Uh, I got a studio in my house. I just go in my studio, cup of coffee. Well, first I, I spend I spend some time with God first, and then I move into my business side of my world. But but um. So that that looks like for me, I, I'm, I do idea mining about 30 minutes a day, um, and then I go through and I do idea management, like meaning like if I've got Aldine coming up or I have you know 
Lee Bright, whoever, you know what I mean? Like whoever the artist or I have coming up in my world. I go ahead and start going through these ideas and going, okay, I could see how that would be great for X. So I, I kind of categorize all my ideas out. So when I, and then I'll spend, of those, I'll find the top 10 that I think are, you know, as I get like three weeks out from whatever, whoever I'm working with coming up, I'll go ahead and start busting out some verse courses of, you know, I'll have like the top 10 ideas I feel like would be best for them based on what they've covered in the past. You know, I do, do uh, due diligence on all this stuff too. So it's like, you know that, like Brantley, for instance, he's not going to have another Dirt Road Anthem, but that slot's going to be on every record. So it's what does the next version of that look like? Yeah. And for us, there's a song called It's About to Get Dirty that Brantley and I wrote by ourselves that that he felt like was that progression, right? So that's kind of how I, I think about that stuff too when it comes down to it. And the songs I know that like Keith Urban is going to write because he's going he's gonna to do that stuff. So I don't want to go down that road because he's already on that road. So I'll find a road over here that, that might help you know, round out his record or whatever, you know what I mean? So there's just so many pieces of that puzzle and all that stuff kind of factors into what ideas I put where and then how I approach those ideas. I'm always trying to make them up tempo as every time that I can, you know, that's kind of how it works. But, yep. but so that's my, that's my piece of that puzzle. And then lastly, it's like whoever I have that day, I go ahead and get myself ready so that when I walk in the room, you know, the story here, it's like opportunity meeting preparedness is success, right? Yep. So I try to make sure that I have all of that stuff. I mean, I've already decided we're gonna have, we're gonna be successful today. That's it, right? So, but by doing all that stuff before I get there, I'm already ready to do what we need to do to make that happen. So, that's kind of that front end of my life or my, my days are they're very similar to that pretty much every day, you know. But it, it has to be that that we talked about input to output. You can't have output without input. Yeah. And so to me, the input is sitting there and going, okay, I got, I need these ideas, or I want to, I want to look through this stuff. I want to make sure I am pushing information in these moments that I know that will come out the other side. And as long as I do, as long as I continue to, to do that, I've, I mean, I've had success for years now for, based on that, that kind of situation that I operate in. So, yeah, man, that's so good. I think that's such good advice for people listening to, especially, um, you know, those who, who want to go down that path of mm -hmm. songwriting. I can't tell you how many times I've gone into a room, you know, even with three or four guys mm -hmm. and, you know, we spend the, the first 30 minutes to an hour just going, all right, what do you got? What do you got? What do you got? Yep. And like, I don't, I don't know that I've ever been into a room and not done a song. We may not have finished a song, mm -hmm. but I, yep. I don't think that we've ever not found something and then, yep. you know, and, mm -hmm. and done it. Yeah. Um, but it's those songs that, you know, you walk out and go, okay, well, that one's going in the guitar case and it's never coming out. You know, <laughs> yeah, so, yeah, yeah. you know they're yeah. really bad. Mm -hmm. um, but to go in so prepared like that, especially where you are in, in your journey mm -hmm. and thinking that way of like, okay, this is a song for Brantley. This is a song yeah. for Lee, mm -hmm. you know, whatever. Um, yeah, that's so good. Yeah. And dude, I've learned a ton from Ashley Gorley. He and I get to yeah. ride together a, a decent amount. And like, he's one of those dudes where he understands how to read a room. And we might've had, I might've had 10 things prepared for whoever that artist is that day. But then, but that artist may not be there. Like Frank Francis, man, he and I, it was me and Ashley, Jordan Davis, and uh, Paul Giovanni, three or the four of us in a room. And I had all these ideas. Dude. You should have tried to get some good writers. I know, right? Well, I was, I, I always want to be, <laughs> always want to be the, what, what is it? The, the dumbest in the room and the, the come on, man. You're the up room. there. You're <laughs> right up there with them. Come on. But what was funny was I had all these ideas, man. And I, I mean, dude, I had already done everything that we just discussed. So that's like, I'm loaded for bear. Let's go. Right. Yeah. You know, and, and then we get in the room and Paul goes, Hey, Ashley, what are you feeling today, man? And I was like, it's interesting that you would ask Ashley, because I'm always like, hey, artist, what do you need? But they had, they, and obviously they had had like several rights together already. So they already had a little system. I just happened to be the, the fourth in the room, right? Yeah. That day. But so I started tossing some ideas out and I was like, that's really cool. That's really cool. That's really cool. That's really cool. But never, never went anywhere with it yet. But what he was doing was fishing until Jordan was like, oh, that's cool. And then he was then at that point. It's like my point in that is like know what song you're supposed to write that day. Right. And he's and it's like that's actually so great at that man. He like he's he just kind of sits up at thirty thousand feet and then he goes okay, that's the one he's biting on. Let's go. We can make that a hit. 
you know what I mean, kind of thing. So it's like yeah. it's interesting to, to, and again, that's just the maturity in the room that you don't have as a as a young writer, but you learn as you go. You know what I mean? And and so, and, and I'd, one more piece of advice I think I'd give all the young guys, man, like pay attention to the masters in the room, the guys who know what they're doing, man. Because mm-hmm. there's a reason why they. It's a reason why they're they're going in the directions they're going in, or they're or they're they're acting on certain scenarios versus like because anything could be a hit any given day, but it can and it can't. You know what I mean? If you've pushed something, pushed the wrong thing that day into into a moment, you might lose that right forever because that might have been the wrong thing. It might have been agenda too much for you versus the artist. You know what I mean? So it's like, right. but so good. So yeah, it's yeah. just a, I mean, it's a it's a constant learning process. I mean, I don't think I'll ever not be in a room going. I just learned something new that day. Yeah, you know what I mean? I just I, that, that cracked the code a little closer now than I had it before. You know, so yeah, but. Um, I want to talk about your stuff mm-hmm. too, um, because you, gosh, how many albums do you have out now? Like, <laughs> so uh, probably nine. Um, but but I will say, so for me, uh, I I always kind of the way that I answer this question pretty often is like, I didn't know, I, I just knew I wanted music out, and Ron Stuvey, one of my buddies at at Universal, he was BMG at the time, but he was like, hey, buddy. He flew to Carolina, called a show, and he's like, hey, buddy, I, I want you to go write 10 100 percenters, record them, put them out, you own them, and then, and then you know, we'll, we'll talk later. And I was like, dude, I don't want to do that. I came to get a record deal, blah, blah, blah. You know, and, I mean, we kind of had, like, our, our rubs and knuckles and all that stuff. And, but he, he told me to do it, so I did it. Reluctantly, I did it. And so put out the first record, and then... And I, I so wanted to prove him wrong. This is so bad. Like, but I so <laughs> wanted to prove him wrong. So when he, I put this ten songs out, you know, and and I was like, dude, look, they made forty or made twenty seven dollars last month. Twenty seven. This was all digital stuff this time. We were just we were we were flirting. This is like oh five. We were flirting with the whole like Apple Music, you know, or iTunes and all that stuff back in the day. And I was like, dude, this is a waste of time, man. It's a waste of time. And he's like, no, nah, do it again. I was like, bro, I, you know, and so, I mean, like, we really had a pretty contentious relationship <laughs> for a while based on this journey he had me on alone. But so I did a second record, same kind of thing, fifty bucks away. I mean, it, it it went up very little. I mean, did it still? I was I was like, I'm proving him wrong. I love this man because he'll he'll eventually fold, man. And then so anyway, fast forward to like four or five records into this situation. Now I'm out in front of ten thousand people a night with Brantley. Yeah, and. I own everything, good, bad, ugly, everything in between. Some of the stuff you're like, why would you ever put that? You know, all everything in between. Like there's just, there's records I'm proud of, records that I was learning curves on. It's just all those things. But at the end of the day, I didn't realize that, that he was building me a business that would, in my, in my world, would trump the record deal that I was trying to get. Because now I have these revenue streams and I have all these things going on that are far beyond what, what a possible record deal would have done. You know what I mean? And it sounds crazy, but, but so for me, that's that, but yeah, there's like tons of music out and, and I, and honestly, I'm about to put some more out. I've got, I've been like, I've, yeah, got, a pile, I've got a pile, man, that I, I just, I'm in the situation where it's like, I'm constantly writing with all these other artists and building their records and stuff. And so I'm, so I'm back my stuff, but I've got these, I've got like these and, and kind of how I operate too, as I'll write these songs, the ones that are for me and I'll write them, and then I'll, I'll run from them. And if they chase me down, then I know I have something. And so the ones that I wake up in the morning and they're they're back in my mind, I'm like, okay, all right, I get you, God. I get you, okay, well, we'll I'll do that. But not right now, but I will do that, you know what I mean? So now, but I'm at the point where it's like, all right, let's just pull the trigger on some more stuff. Man, isn't it funny stuff. how that happens? There's There's been songs that mm-hmm. like, either I've written or songs that I, like other, other buddies, you know, have played for mm-hmm. me. Like, hey, what do you think about this song? And I'm like, ah. I don't know. I don't feel it. Mm-hmm. You know, like whatever. Yeah. And then a week later, you're in the shower and you're humming, and I'm yeah. and, and I like catch mm-hmm. myself I'm like, what am I singing? Yep. And then I'm like, oh come on, that's, <laughs> right. that's the song. That's how it works, man. <laughs> yeah. it's, it's crazy, dude. And I think I don't know. I've I've learned so much again from Ashley, man, about like how important a melody really is. Man. Yeah. Most of the time, people people just they'll go stock on a on a verse melody, thinking that the chorus is what people are going to hang on to. But man, you got to get them to the chorus. Yeah. So Ashley is so great at, at like going, no, 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 man, let's make that melody 
let's let's do this to that. You know what I mean, kind of thing. So so I've learned that over the course of, of I mean, we've been writing together, jeez, man, probably the last ten years. Ashley and I have, man. We've got Brantley cuts and Lee stuff and like all kind of whatever's, but but um, but to me that earworm stuff that we talk about you know all the time there's 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 reasons why i mean like think about this like like one of the biggest songs that's out right now is last night yep with morgan but start with the chorus start yep. with the chorus and then how seamlessly the chorus goes into that verse yeah because it's like last night you know kiss your lips about about it was like it doesn't it doesn't even have to have a t- it's just like it's just they they killed it man they killed the game on that and that's a great blueprint to kind of go back and go okay Reverse engineer that down and go, okay, I understand why every single piece of the song is actually a hook inside of itself. Yeah. And it's so there's there's so much to be learned from just dissecting that one song. You know what I mean? Like it was it's like when Beard Never Broke My Heart came out with Luke and it was like nobody's been there for so long. That that honky tonk, you know, that to me, that that was teed up at the perfect time to be a smash and it will be global. Like Randy Montana will be riding his tractor for the next 20 years because <laughs> yeah. and, and deservingly, you yeah. know what I mean? So yeah. I say that in a good way because he's my boy, but so. Yeah. And how, how long they, uh, they sometimes will sit on those songs, mm-hmm. you know, like oh, yeah. a couple years even, yeah. you know, where it's like, this is a hit, Yep. but mm-hmm. not right now. And they'll find that gap and go, okay, it's yep. time. Exactly. Yeah. So. Because I don't think, I mean, I, I'm always writing for to be relevant really i mean like you know as far as like we're not we're not shooting for what's on the radio right now because that's already done we're we're shooting we're 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 forecasting six eight months or a year out right so we're doing we're looking at this thing and because it's all secular right so there'll be it'll at some point we'll move back over into like whatever you know story songs again or what you know there'll always be like this this kind of wraparound thing but so by by thinking like that it's like i'm not I'm not shooting for right now. I'm shooting for down the road, but I'm also making sure that my quote unquote projections for where things are going. I got my, I got my, my barometer up of like, Hey man, how, how many mullets am I seeing right now? You know what I mean? How many, you know what I mean? Just, you know, that yeah. kind of stuff. That's yeah. like, that's a big piece of it, man. And also a little trick I had back in the day was I would go out every day, um, into like in these arenas that everybody, people are just, you know, they're tailgating everywhere. I would, I get PJ, which is Brantley's security guard. He and I get in the golf cart. He's a big old dude. Get in the golf cart. And I was like, man, let's just go find the biggest party out here we can find. And I just want to hear what they're playing. And dude, like, and this was back in probably, like, I don't know, like 10, 2010 or 11, we started doing this. And I was so excited, dude, because we were in this, I don't remember what we were in, but like, we're going around and then I hear Blackhawk. I'm like, <laughs> yes, yeah. that's all. Anyways, I'm, I'm a big fan of those yeah. things. So it was cool. But then it's like Diamond Rio. You know, and then you hear some Tracy Lawrence, and you're like, okay, we're getting into that world right now. And shortly after that, Combs comes along and starts busting out some old school stuff. You know what I mean? And it worked out great. I mean, it was, you know, it was a great setup. So, but having those feelers out there, and also what I would do is kind of more of an inside thing, but I would always give my number to, like, I'd find kind of the ringleader in whatever party. Because, I mean, what they are is they're a great conduit to access the fan base. But then also they're a great conduit because they're like out there starting the parties, being a part of the party when the party's not even there, you know what I mean, kind of thing. And so, so what they're listening to matters to me. You know what I mean? And if, yeah. it's, if it's Brooks and Dunn or if it's Garth, you know, whatever, whoever it is, or Three Doors Down or like Matchbox or, you know, whatever. Like they, they're jamming to it. That means that that's what they're in. That's, that's where they are in that moment and that, that, that snapshot of time for them. That's where they are, which means that if they're doing that, there's probably – more people in the country doing the similar similar scenario. So, but I always have that, and then I also have those guys where I could just send them a new song, like, "Hey man, I just got this out," and they would have it. And they would be the coolest dude, quote unquote, because now they have the the brand new Brian Davis, thing, whatever, and they get to play it first, and people are going to come to them. It's just like that's the only way you can get it is go talk to your boy Terry or whoever you know whoever yeah. you're, whoever you your jacked up truck you know buddy. Is. Yeah. Like that's it, you know whatever. So it was kind of one of those moments where it was it was. Garth Brooks kind of marketing, you know what I mean? Because he was really good at that stuff yeah. too. But, but uh, so there's a million uh, those of those situations, man. Just trying to trying to figure out how to stand just this much ahead of whoever else that you're on the, on the floor with, you know what I mean? Was is the difference always in that situation? And songwriting and an artist, you know, and, and business, and then just being a good human, you know what I mean? There's like all yeah. those pieces of that puzzle. But so 
but it, we've gone for hours. <laughs> Man, like, yeah. When you think about like how much we've covered in our lifetime today, yeah. it's crazy. I love but, it. So. Well, man, I uh, I appreciate the time so much. Absolutely, um, can't wait to to hang in a couple months down in St. Augustine again. There we, go. we get to do that together every year. Yes, I'll so, bring the cigars. Yeah, everybody <laughs> out there listening, uh, if you're around the Florida area, uh, in uh, when it's September September twenty eighth, twenty ninth, yeah, October first. Um, mm-hmm. So yeah, come hang with us. Uh, yep. We'll be down there with uh, with all kinds of great songwriters and artists. Uh, for the St. Augustine Songwriters Festival. I get to host that every year. It's a blast. So It is. Um, and uh, hope you have a, a great uh, rest of your 4th of July. Thank you for doing this. Before we wrap, I always end yeah. with the same question. So yes. you've already given a lot of advice for people mm-hmm. out there. Yep. Now let's turn it on to you. Okay. So if you're talking to 8-year-old Brian Davis, mm-hmm. what advice do you give yourself now knowing what you know? Listen more than you talk. And no just means not yes yet. Mm. Get that thick skin quick and believe in grind. Mic drop. <laughs> I love it, dude. Thank you so much, brother. Dude, this thanks is, for having me. This has man. been a blast. Yeah, dude, absolutely. As always, man. So anytime you need me, you got me, man. Sounds good. Yeah, we'll come back and do this again and just keep talking about uh, all the hits that you've yet to write. You wait till you need the new Lee Rice. Oh, dude, Lee I can't record, wait. Dude. I cannot oh. wait. Yeah. yeah. Yeah, I need to be one of those jacked up truck buddies that you send me these demos. So, yeah. I'll, I'll drop them to you. All right. Sounds good. <laughs> Thank you guys for listening. This is another episode of Stories Behind the Songs with my buddy Brian Davis. Y'all have a great 4th of July, and we'll see you next time. This has been an episode of Stories Behind the Songs with Chris Blair. For more information after the show, head over to chrisblair.com. That's where you can find information on these episodes, trailer notes, video links, all kinds of great stuff. Also, make sure to leave us a great rating on iTunes. Like and follow us on Spotify, YouTube, wherever you listen to podcasts. Leave us a comment. Let us know what you think. I really hope that you think this show is awesome and we really appreciate the love and support. I promise to keep gathering great content and continuing to sit down with more amazing songwriters and artists as we grow. Thanks so much for listening. Thanks for the support. We'll see you next time.